And time for Global News Watch, a look at the international headlines. Joining us here in the studio is Nicholas Moore. Good morning. Good morning to you, Henry. We're all kind of worried about this new mutant strain as uh, we've been talking about uh, yesterday confirmed that an arrival from the UK has tested positive for this new strain. Japan uh, now taking probably even more extreme measures to try to uh, prevent it from coming to their country. They're doing a blanket ban on all foreign nationals after that uh, variant was discovered in their country. Right. There were two cases discovered by the Tokyo Metropolitan Government linked to those who had recently returned from the UK. Uh, Those were outside of quarantine. Uh, There were a total of 15 cases reported discovered at international airports, though. Citizens and residents will still be allowed to enter. They will still have to go through the standard two-week quarantine. This variant, uh, as we've mentioned, likely originated in the UK, and transmission of the variant is still reported to be stopped by vaccination, which is good news, but Mm. it potentially spreads quicker than other mutations or variants, although perhaps not as high as the 70% a higher transmission that was originally reported. Other countries have reduced entry from the UK. Uh, they are banned completely, not only from Japan, but now from countries such as China, Canada, Brazil, India, and Germany. And others have placed some restrictions on travel, like the US now familiarly requiring UK travelers to present a clean test result conducted within 72 hours of their flight. There is yet another variant that was recently discovered in South Africa that has also prompted some travel restrictions. Well, blanket bans will hopefully become less common once we have enough of the population all around the world vaccinated. One of the realities of maybe the mid to long term future is that if you want to travel, uh, you want to make sure that it's safe, not just for yourself, but also for the local population that you're going to. So now we're going to see perhaps a new concept, which would be digital vaccine passports. Right. These could be applied not only to international travel, uh, but also within different localities to make sure that you can enter mm-hmm. a, a concert venue or a sporting event and be safe at that area. Uh, these apps have already been developed and allow you to display digitally your COVID-19 test result. The purpose is to have a universal standard for digitizing medical information, uh, providing what's called a digital yellow card instead of the paper form yellow card that is now proof of a vaccination uh, or a test. This is a way that can be trusted by different businesses, airlines, and governments. Uh, One such that has already been developed is the Common Pass app that was made through a joint initiative with the World Economic Forum and the Geneva-based nonprofit The Commons Project. They have already partnered with several airlines and several local governments in the U.S. It will check whether you have fulfilled your requirements for entry into a destination country, which now includes testing. And this is reminiscent of earlier efforts by tech giants and governments to develop universal test and trace software. But that tended to fail, either from uh, nationalism or a lack of unified leadership. And there's also a widespread of distrust among the public over handing their medical data into a uh, public Mm. server, what they thought it would be. But we have learned from those lessons by pursuing additional collaboration between countries for a more universal standard. But still one problem remains is that there's a large section of the global population which does not possess smartphones. They could be provided with a smart card that a healthcare provider downloads their information onto, then they could present without the costs associated with a phone. Yeah, and so that access for a large part of the global population, not just for 
uh, technology, but also even just accessing the vaccine is going to continue to be a challenge. Let's turn to some other news now, though, uh, Nicholas. We've learned that an independent Chinese journalist has been detained since mid-May after covering life in Wuhan during the height of the uh, pandemic there. Yes, that is Zhang Zan, a 37-year-old former lawyer. And her story is kind of tragic in how she's uh, been pushing against the Chinese government, even after her detention. Uh, She traveled from Shanghai to Wuhan in February to cover the lockdown there independently. She slipped in just before the authorities started cutting down on media presence. She posted scenes like overcrowded hospitals and shops with nothing to sell on Chinese sites, as well as ones banned in China like Twitter and YouTube. The government alleges that these posts were faked, but according to Ms. Zhang's lawyer, they gave no evidence for these claims uh, at her court hearing on Friday. Zhang began a, a food strike sometime while in jail, leading to her forcible restraint and the authorities inserting a feeding tube. She appeared at her court, heating in a, uh, court hearing in a wheelchair due to her frail condition, where she was charged with, quote, picking quarrels and provoking trouble, which is kind of a catch-all mm-hmm. charge for those who are causing trouble for the government. She was found guilty and sentenced to t- uh, four years of imprisonment. This was not Zong's first run-in with police. She was also detained twice for the same charges, though we don't know what that stems from. And she's also not the first independent journalist detained uh, for what's so-called the uh, cover-up of the Wuhan coronavirus. Uh, Two others were also arrested. Uh, China is rated the highest in the world in detained journalists, according to Reporters Without Borders. Well, another uh, world leader who uh, makes his disdain for journalists quite well known, but fortunately the institutions in that country uh, prevent him from making these kind of moves, Donald Trump of the United States, after making an 11th hour stand against this coronavirus relief bill uh, that his own White House had actually negotiated the terms to, U.S. President Trump finally signing it, but asking Congress to look into some of the demands with the red ink that he's kind of papered over to uh, increase stimulus checks before adjourning. Right. He's going to send that bill back with those red lines, uh, saying that he's forcing them to look at it. They don't really have to. But there are some good implications there. Uh, Still under this bill, what will definitely happen is individuals will receive $600 each. Uh, Since last week, though, Mr. Trump has been pushing for $2,000 per person. He also wanted to remove state and local funding projects, what he called pork funding, in addition to cutting foreign aid, but he finally changed his mind after pleading from Republican colleagues. The current Congress passed the bill after a long battle in the Senate, but the problem was that the president had received it with less than 10 days left in the congressional session, therefore he had the option to pocket veto it. And since it is tied to the new federal budget, it also would have led to another federal government shutdown. As it was, unemployment benefits lapsed over the weekend, which were $300 weekly extensions. Uh, The future of those payments is now uncertain. But the good news is that House Democrats will immediately begin voting to approve those $2,000 stimulus checks, forcing the Senate to either stand up to their president or acquiesce. Yeah, and it looks like, uh, according to some of the news reports coming in, that voting is underway as we speak. Okay, final story here. Nicholas Trump handed over negotiations of that uh, stimulus bill to Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin so he could instead focus on this um, uh, quixotic endeavor to overturn the uh, presidential election. Uh, Fox News pundit Geraldo Rivera, who's been all over the place, including uh, saying that this uh, vaccine should be named after Trump to honor his uh, achievements on that, has also now said uh, Trump is an entitled frat boy. Uh, and uh, this is interesting as, as far as what the criticism entails, right? 
Right. Because, uh, Mr. Rivera, you said he's been all over the place, but he has pretty much long stood by the president during his uh, term against what he called leftist creeps Mm -hmm. who had conjured up a Russian hoax to try to ruin his uh, presidency. But immediately, Rivera accepted the results of the election, um, kind of shrugging his shoulders. But now he says that it's time for Trump to, quote, stop playing around with the Constitution. There still remains one final hurdle on January 6th. Congress will formally ratify the results of the election. Now, though, um, what needs to happen is at least one person in the House and one senator have to vote against the effort uh, for there to be yet another delay. Uh, The question is whether a senator can be found uh, who would support that. Uh, Mitch McConnell has tried to suppress any interest in his uh, purview. Yeah, so uh, one little little final battle on the front of the electoral integrity in the United (laughs) States. We'll see how that goes. We're actually going to get some more analysis on both that issue as well as the uh, stimulus issue uh, in the second hour of the program. In the meantime, Nicholas, as always, thank you very much for joining us. So we will talk to you again soon. All right. Always a pleasure, Henry.